You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know, at the end of the day, football is football. All Patriots, all, all the time. Ooh, that, that's spicy. All Patriots, all, all the time. Welcome to, 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 to First and Foxborough. Ladies and gentlemen, Foxborough football fans, I've been teasing this for days now, and we finally got this man on the show. Little did I know, I really should have made this connection, that uh, our our next guest is actually on uh, Pacific time, not Eastern time, which kind of mixed up a couple of things. Also busy being a family man and a defensive coordinator of a kick-ass high school program down there, Mount Carmel in California, Deontay Lee of the athletic my man how you doing doing well man i think the last time we talked we were both at a different spot so you know glad yeah. to be able to link back up um happy to see you know you continuing to grow in this space and i'm hoping i can do the same over here man good to be on with you yeah man 100 percent. and uh it, it's funny too because um you know we you know texting back and forth uh here and there and then right. uh you know, you're talking about dropping your kid off this this morning. Like, oh yeah, yep. like I, I got to do that. Maybe we can jump back on. I was like, oh no, no, no. We're going. We're going to leave. We're going to leave. Uh, you know, daddy child time sacred <laughs> because that. So in the morning, that's my thing. I drop yep. my daughter off at daycare, and she, uh, you know, she's got to have her like 15, 20 minutes where she doesn't want to go in right away. Yep. We got to like sit on the step. We got to go through a lunchbox, see what's in the lunchbox. And then when she's ready, she'll be like, I want to race. And then, of course, <laughs> and then she never she never waits until we get to the, like, get, set, go part. She always oh, no. all starts. <laughs> yeah, so, no, not at all. The, the I want to race is, that's a threat and a warning to you. <laughs> that's not, it's not up for debate, you know. That's not notification. That's letting you know what I'm about to do. So I hope that you're prepared to run. Yeah. It, well, the thing is, it's like, you know, I used to run track. I love running. But her thing is like, I showed her how to do the on your market, set, go, getting your stance and everything. But she always falls starts. Right. And I'm just like, <laughs> of course, you're going to win. You get right. a head start. I'm over here trying to adhere to the rules. Right. Exactly. We'll never make the podium. <laughs> nope. Doing nope. things that way. <laughs> Definitely not. But hey, first of all, coach, how are you? How are your young men feeling about uh, you know, last week and what they got coming up on tap? And how are you liking this gig, man? Um, to answer your first question, I think that they feel very gratified last season, last season, we were successful. Um, we were pretty successful. We ended up making it to, uh, the semifinal in our classification in San Diego, which was like a very, you know, I think it was kind of a whirlwind for a lot of these guys because they just hadn't experienced that before. Um, coming into this season, I think there were a lot of questions because we had a star player last year who's at Boise state now. Um, Jaden Virgin. And I think that there was just a lot of conversation about, well, how much of this can we divvy up between, you know, his own star power versus the rest of the supporting cast around him. So I think that where we're at right now, I think that all of our players feel like they have left enough of a stamp to have kind of answered that question at the midseason point, um, especially coming off of our win last week. Um, as far as just enjoying, you know, the, the entirety of this, I love it. I feel like, you know, I kind of get to touch football from every angle, you know, now that I've left it as a player, 
right? Like doing the analysis stuff, uh, whether it's film analysis, uh, draft scouting, um, talking about what's happening, you know, in the games, talking about greater, the bigger narratives in a podcasting form. Um, that kind of keeps me close to what's happening in the world of football at large. And then for me personally, being able to step out there as a coach, um, especially, you know, while I have my youth and be able to impart what I've learned. You know, I had a, actually had a long conversation with one of my players yesterday about the process of just being a scholarship athlete, what's expected of you, um, you know, your roadmap academically, how you conduct yourself, all of those things. And I felt like, you know, that was something that I did not always have when I was coming up, you know, when I was recruited, yeah. it was basically just me and my dad just figuring this stuff out as we go. I talked to somebody on the phone. I talked to my dad about it. Hey, how do we feel about this? Somebody comes and visits. Okay. Well, how do we feel about how that visit went? How does he feel for my family? How does he feel for me? There wasn't somebody to necessarily walk me through that process or tell me what to expect. I think that now that I've had the experiences that I've had, you know, I guess this is always the goal is that you can turn around and face your same community and say, here is what I have. Here's what I can impart upon you. And then from there, I want you to make the most informed decisions possible. So that's been, I think, a really, really gratifying part of this experience for me. And I think that the players really enjoy having somebody who works in football and I think has kind of done some of the things that they want to do and is passionate about them in a way that I think that they were looking for. Um, it's always great to see young men, uh, you know, kind of come into their own in that way and using sports as a vehicle to figure out how they want to interface with the rest of their adult lives from here. You know, I think that people downplay the importance of team sports, but I always look at it as community training. You're really learning how to be a neighbor. You're learning how to be a brother. You're learning how to be a coworker, how to be a manager. All of those types of things apply, you know, anytime you're talking about something that happens within a team. So, you know, the more uh, positive direction that I can impart upon them and the more of that we can just get in general for our young people, the better. So I'm glad to be able to contribute to that in some kind of way. You know, a million percent. And while you were talking about that, um, it made me think of, my background in science, right? Mm. So, so I mean, you know, where, where, where you're at, it's like, okay, you know, there, there are a lot of young men that look like you and me in, in, you know, football and sports right. and basketball, right? Like right. Th that, that part isn't quite as commonplace, but sometimes from a leadership standpoint, you don't always see that. And so being mm -hmm. able to turn to somebody who looks like you and be like, okay, look, like you've been through this before. You kind of know some of the other things that, that come into this, that maybe somebody else wouldn't, how do I do this with science? It's, it's a little bit more rare. I would say right. you've got like some of these young kids just being like, yeah, uh, I don't, like, I've never seen anybody who looks like me do this. That's how it was for me coming up. Yes, especially. 100%. And, and so it's like when I was in science, you know, more diligently and, you know, even in journalism now, like that's that's a big piece of discussion. People come to me like, hey, look, I mean, you know, you might not like I don't know if anybody else would understand this, but I think you will. And I'm mm -hmm. like, OK, try try me out. I, I think I think I do. And it's like to be in that situation where you feel like you could be of help to somebody Yes. And it's like, obviously, you would help anybody that, that comes across. Right. But especially right. when you know that looking, you know, a kid's eye and you're just like, look, I, I, I need you to help. Like, I yes. need you to be there for me. You're just like, yes, yes. I, I you got to take that seriously. And I, I love that you're getting that opportunity to do that, man.
100 percent i mean it's a it's a responsibility and i think that a lot of people shy away from it and it's understandable you know um i was, i can understand the rationale why somebody might look at having that kind of responsibility and be anxious or nervous you know or feel you know that imposter syndrome like what could i possibly have to contribute um but to your point of what you're saying you never know what that nudge is that somebody needs um you know and i think that one of the more powerful things is that you know, for me in the coaching world, I think one of the things that I enjoy the most is the fact that I have the job that I have. So that way, not only can I talk to them about football as a player, um, you know, what their aspirations are, I can also circle back around and say, you can have a life in this thing that doesn't have anything to do with you wearing pads. You know, it's the mm-hmm. same way talking pe- talking to people who are passionate about music. You know, I have family and friends that are passionate about music and you don't have to be the front man to have a life in music, to have a very gratifying, yeah. successful um, you know, type of life in music, something that you can aspire to aside from what you might have in mind in that moment. So to your point about working in science, I think that there are plenty of people who probably look at that world and say, I can see success for myself, but I don't see myself directly here. Right? I don't have a reflection of me. So I don't know if my value systems are welcomed or represented. I don't know if my personhood would be welcomed or represented in this field. So the more of that that we can reflect upon young people, the better off that we are. And I think that this is a really important space, given all we have in social media, all these different you know platforms that we have between podcasting and writing and video, all these different avenues that we have to get good information out. Um, you know, and I think that now, in a, in a time where there's a lot of misinformation and stuff going around and things being debated that shouldn't be debated, you know, I think that it's always important to try to follow that up or combat that with good intel, positivity, and, and trying to make sure that everybody's head is still screwed on straight. Because I, I think that, you know, we we can be just as much in a dangerous place with these tools as we can be in a productive place. Yes, sir. You know what? Who who said we can't we can't do the real stuff on this podcast? Too? I know y'all <laughs> came for the football, but you know what? This is just good conversation. I love it. Now, you know, <laughs> we're talking about um, you know things that uh, you know are being debated that shouldn't be debated. I want to get to one of those things in yes. a little bit, but 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 well, well, actually, one of them could be right now. Okay, because look, right now the New England Patriots. If we're, we're going to get get into that right now, they are in a similar place, though arguably not quite as dire one after three games as they were last year, where they were also one and two, where I thought they played horribly in week three last year against the Saints. This year against the Ravens, I mean, is an unfortunate loss, one that they would tell you that they would like to have back. But, I mean, they were playing against a team that was favored, and they showed notable signs of improvement in my mind. But then, of course, you have Mac Jones going down with a – Pretty severe high ankle sprain, so so far as it's been reported. I want to I want to get to that part next, but first of all, I want to talk about Mac Jones because there have been, to my mind, some just wild topics of discussion happening around Mac Jones in in his second year, three starts in. Yes, he's turned the ball over more than he did last year. At this point, he had all three of his interceptions uh, in that third week, and everybody's like, "What's going on here?" That's his rookie moment. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, I, I, I guess I, I'm struggling to find out what people were expecting right. from a guy that was being asked to all, – all he heard all offseason was got to be more aggressive. Got to see if you can take shots down the field, see if you can stretch the offense. And then you have a first-time offensive coordinator that is – I mean, they're they're, they're installing new aspects yeah. to the offense. And 
you know, a lot is being put on Mac Jones. And then he goes out there and he's trying to make plays and some of it's not working out. And now people are over here talking about, oh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm completely shocked at how Mac Jones is playing. And if he keeps this up, he might lose his job. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, so 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 to, to get to a question here, man, like when you look at Mac Jones from year one to year two, what are the differences that you're seeing? And is the fact that he's been more aggressive perhaps even overly aggressive, is that a problem? I would say it's not a problem. Like, I think that actually a lot of this is just a reflection on the infrastructure that Bill Belichick has built because I think it causes people to forget that there are just certain realities within the NFL. And the reality of the situation is that he's learning a second offense in two years. That, like, we always – I think that we always have to ground ourselves and start there. And then not only is he learning a second offense in his second year in the NFL, to your point – this is a new offensive structure, right? This isn't Josh McDaniels here installing a different offense. This is somebody who we, we are now asking someone who did not have offensive play caller responsibilities prior, you know, as part of this job title, being asked to call the offense. You know, it, it's more on Bill Belichick's plate, which is why I think that there's maybe more frustration towards Mac Jones because Bill Belichick has a track record that he does. So I think the people are not going to draw their ire in that direction, at least not currently. Um, you know, to him, I think that there is more questions about who Mac Jones is as a quarterback. But I think if you can divorce yourself from the interception numbers and just watch the way that he plays in terms of navigating the pocket, that is not any worse. Even though I would argue that the offensive line around him has certainly taken, I think, at least a marginal step backwards especially when you look at um, some of the struggles that they have in terms of early down runs, you know, it, it's been kind of spotty in a way that it wasn't, you know, over the last couple of seasons. Um, I think that losing some of that heavier personnel puts more on the plate of a Mac Jones, you know, they're using more 11 personnel. So one back, one tight end, three wide receivers. Well, if you're more spread out, I think by definition, you are putting more on the plate of your quarterback. So I, I think and I think that now we just become so spoiled in, in, in the NFL culture in general, but guys that hit immediately that we forget the fact that those are pretty extreme outliers. Right. Like you need time. You need time and you need reps, especially if you're learning a new offense. Right. Who Joe Burrow was last season was not who he was two seasons ago. Now, am I calling him? Am I saying that the Joe Burrow trajectory or arc is coming? No, because I don't ever put what one person does onto the next. But what I am saying is that if we're going to look at things in its totality, we do have to take a breather and just go process oriented first. If we can evaluate the process and the throws that he's making, I do think that he wants to be more aggressive. And you have to take that. You have to take into account how he was being defended to end last season. What we saw last season was a lot of defenses getting into cover one, so playing tight man-to-man -man coverage and really daring him to beat them with his arm. Well, as a quarterback, the only way that you can loosen a defense back up is to try exactly that. Can he be a little bit better with the decision-making when the ball leaves his hands? Sure. Could the ball placement have improved on some of those picks? Certainly. But you have to go through the process of taking the chances, right? He's got to learn what a downfield throw needs to look like for him. So, for example, I look at the Steelers game, and I think that early in the game, the Steelers were really trying to challenge him to throw the ball over the middle of the field, which is why I think he was so effective throwing those crossing routes. Right? We saw a lot of that early in the game. That, to me, should be a check mark of good progress for your young quarterback. 
hey, he sees man coverage. They're playing single high. You want to attack that through the seams. He saw it and he took it. And not only did he take it, the balls were placed extremely well on a lot of those crossing routes. Um, you look at last week, it was not perfect, but you think about the throw that he put up to Nelson Aguilar. Could the ball have been placed better? Of course. But he took the chance, confirmed that it was a one-on-one -on -one matchup, and said, I want to take my outside receiver in this situation. If you want a defense to not play so much tight man-to-man -man coverage on you, you do have to take those chances. So I applaud him for trying to apply himself in that kind of way. You have to learn from the bump, from bumping your head a couple of times on what you can and can't, should and shouldn't do based on your arm talent. But I think that there's still enough to go off of. And I believe that he should have built up enough credit with how efficiently he looked as a rookie quarterback last season to at least give some people some pause before bringing into question whether or not he's a quarterback of the future. I, I don't even like positing things with quarterbacks in that way. Oh, I hate it. If there's a more talented quarterback available, then sure, go after the more talented quarterback. But the quarterback that you have currently is viable enough based on what we saw last season, I think, to get the job done or at least to remain competitive. And you've got to give the guy an opportunity to grow if it's his job at the moment, which we all know that it is. And you know what? I I hate it. Like we're, we're at this point right now, three starts into – you know, these guys second years, I'm seeing this with, uh, you know, again, being a Chicago guy, I'm seeing this with Justin Fields already, yes. right? Well, guess he ain't it, you know, because, because he had a horrible game against Houston, right? Or, right. Tre or Trevor Lawrence, you know, he's looking way better. And it's right. like, well, he's, he's the guy now. It's like, can we wait till the end of the season and see what, exactly. collect, the, collect the whole data set before we do this? But it's like, that's the culture that we're in. It's like, we got to react to everything real yes. like, game by game. Well, and to that point, like we have to evaluate what changed for Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is being coached by one of maybe the five best offensive minds in the NFL right now. Of course, he looks better. It's a guy <laughs> who has worked with all kinds of quarterbacks, who's worked with a turnover prone quarterback in Carson Wentz. And before his ACL injury during that Super Bowl run, looked like an MVP candidate, completed that Super Bowl run with the Nick Foles, who we know to be much more of a dink and dunk play underneath, not very mobile, try to get the ball out of his hands quickly. He learned under Andy Reid. So he has this entire just breadth of knowledge of the West Coast offense underneath him. That, of course, you would expect to develop a quarterback in a way that maybe didn't exist with the prior offensive system he was playing under. I think that if you want to criticize something, um, I think that there is reason to try to keep a close eye on what the Patriots offense looks like structurally and schematically. Right. We, we should evaluate if this offense is what it is, if this is what it's going to be. Do we have the players in position to take the most advantage of it? That's something, and that is something to your point of getting a complete data set. You're never going to get the answer to that in week three. That's never going to be answered for you then. You're going to need a more complete um, data set that you can use comparatively to other teams in similar situations, right? If it turns out that this offense is far behind, a Justin Fields by the end of the, by the end of the year in the Chicago offense. If it's far behind what some of the other you know quarterbacks on rookie contracts are, then you can look and evaluate and say, okay, well, what is the root cause of this? Is it the play calling? Is it the personnel? Or is it the quarterback's decision making? But you have to be. You can't if you try to evaluate that on the fly. What what you eventually devolve into is stat line watching, right? Yeah, you're always going to be looking at stat lines and highlights and lowlights. 
And that, that to me is an awful way to evaluate quarterbacks. And that's what leads you to make rash or incomplete decisions based on a lack of, you know, a full data set that, that we were speaking of to evaluate these guys off of. So I would say everybody needs to just take a breath. I think that the next few weeks as they work through Mac recovering from this um, high ankle sprain, which to your point does sound like, does seem like it's, you know, at worst moderate and, and more likely pretty severe that he's dealing with. I think that you can evaluate, okay, well, what does this offense look like away from Mac? So you can get something to compare it to because there's a, there is the, an entire possibility that what Mac Jones was doing was operating the offense as best as he, as he could. If it looks better with the backup, well, then we can look and say, well, then why is that? Are there certain throws that the backup is making that, that Mac Jones is not? Are they calling different plays for your backup that Mac Jones needs to be able to take better advantage of? Are you running the football better? Whatever the case may be, this is going to take much longer than stat line watching and, and counting interceptions from the first three weeks of the season to get any kind of definitive answer if that's what we're after here. Absolutely. And you know what? When you're talking about the, the backups here, the other thing that has come across is that People are, you know, no one wants to see Brian Hoyer, which, you know what? Okay. He's been around for what, 16 years. Forever. And, right. and, 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 and you know, you know what he is at this point. You know that he's not going to be um, you know, anything particularly explosive or amazing. Otherwise, he'd probably still be a starting quarterback. So then mm -hmm. everybody's, you know, Bill Belichick named him the starter, assuming Mac Jones does not play on Sunday, which he's not going to play. Like, let's be, right. let's, let's, I mean, right. Bill Belichick can confirm or not confirm. He's not playing. OK, so that means it's going to be Brian Hoyer. Right. But people are like, why? Why don't we just see what we have in Bailey Zappi right now? And there's a part of me is like, did you see Bailey Zappi play in the preseason? Did like did, or and, and if you didn't do that, like I saw that dude in training camp, that dude right. ain't ready to, to start an NFL game. Right. So, so it's like, why? I, I'm almost like, why do we feel the need to debate something as fundamental as that? Are the Patriots even in a position to be like? Oh, let's just see what's see what we've got in Bailey Zappi right now at one and two with a soft spot in the schedule coming up. Right. Exactly. No, I'm 100% with you. You know, this is, and this is just the frustrations I think that come with fan bases that want it all right now. Right. There is a certain kind of need for instant gratification that we're dealing with. Um, which again is funny when you contextualize it with the rest of the young quarterbacks in the league. Right. Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts of last year did not look does not look like Jalen Hurts today. Mm -hmm. Right. And that happens with time. You need to be able to evaluate and attack things differently. They changed the offense to better fit him. You have a different offensive play caller now. He has to evaluate himself and the kind of offense that the Patriots are trying to run in order to land at where you need to land to maximize your quarterback. So there is something that's I think there are just like these parallel railways that are running right now between an offense that's trying to find its footing from a schematic perspective and a quarterback that's trying to improve or change some things from year one to year two. Both of these things need time. And I understand that the nature of the football schedule does not really allow people to kind of relax and take a breath or look at things from a bigger picture. Um, but I think that if what we're trying to do is analyze the viability of a quarterback, well, I, I keep coming back to this. People are going to have to take a breath on this and, and give it a second. And the truth of the matter is, I think that people will probably feel a little bit better about Mac Jones after the next couple of weeks of watching not Mac Jones have to quarterback this <laughs> offense. Yep, I think so, too. And, you know, what's interesting and this this stat just dropped, I think, last night that 
yeah, there's five interceptions. I really only care about four of them because one of them right. was garbage time, whatever, down two scores, don't care yep. about that. Um, but in addition to that, the Patriots are tied for the most explosive pass plays in the NFL. Like right. that is absolutely not something that you were seeing last year. And so it's right. like, yeah, sometimes the aggressiveness is going to come with good. Sometimes it's going to come with bad. But as long as the good eventually or, you know, the whole time outweighs the bad, you'll take that. Now, right. we're talking a lot about offense here. I want to talk about the defense because this was a unit that a mm -hmm. lot of us, myself included, were looking at and saying, you know what? I, they don't really have a lot of, of elite. They don't have like any elite players at any position on this defense. Matthew Judon's really good. Mm -hmm. um, and then you've got a really good kind of top to bottom safety room um, with, you know, McCordy, Kyle Duggar, right. Adrian Phillips, right? A lot of good players, but not necessarily a bunch of elite ones. Right. Yet this defense, not last week, kind of notwithstanding, but it, I mean, I, I think there were other circumstances to that. The offense, you know, uh, you know, turned the ball over a bunch of times. Oh, right. But but largely the defense has been better than a lot of us expected. From your defensive coordinator eye, mm -hmm. what do you think the Patriots are doing especially well with a good but not great cast of players? I think that this all just comes back to Bill Belichick being a master of understanding his personnel and how to employ them, right? And, you know, leaving last season, I think the understanding, the implicit understanding before the J.C. Jackson move had even happened from him to L.A., I think that they were already kind of planting the seeds of, hey, maybe we don't want to be as much of a man coverage team. Um, you know, we want to get a little bit smaller. We don't know of playing you know, the Juwan Bentleys and Dante Hightowers together, play after play. It's exactly how we want to approach things. We might not have the same kind of talent level with our big guys year over year to expect to be able to play with all these humongous bodies on the inside and tight coverage, right? Like that's a very, very difficult um, needle to thread year over year in the NFL because there just aren't enough good big guys to live in that kind of world. Um, and I think that this season, you know, outside of, you know, outside of, you know, what we expect of Matt Judon, which is for him to be a very productive pro. I think that the fact that you have an Adrian Phillips who can do it all and the fact that you have a Kyle Duggar that can do it all when healthy. Um, I think that that allows for a player like Jabril Preppers to find a role within this defense, right, where you're not asking him to be some high level producer. You know, hey, you step on the field for very particular situations and get the job done from there. Right. You have your Lawrence guys, you know, to, to play on the interior. I think that to that point, you know, and Bill is obviously the, the king of doing this. I think that there's just enough high level role players available in the spots that really matter to this defense that allow for them to play some of that zone coverage behind them and protect against explosive plays when you're not playing man to man coverage. You know, and then there's just like some fundamental things with, you know, there they'll always be a great run defense. That's just the way that this thing is built for Bill Belichick and how he yeah. prioritizes things. They're always going to be a good run defense, and they are rarely going to give up explosive plays with him as as a defensive mind running this thing. And that's what you're seeing. And if you can stop the run and not give up a bunch of explosive passes, even if you don't have high level pass rush production from one or two players, you're probably going to be able to live and be competitive. Uh, week over week in the NFL. And that's why you see a team with the amount of talent that the Dolphins have only put up 20 points against this team, even though it was in a win, right? You're, yeah. you are able to kind of shrink or you're able to, uh, excuse me, expand your margin for error as a team 
when you use these things as kind of your core tenets and principles. And I think that Belichick is just one of, if not the best, at understanding how to drop his guys in a position to do so. Yeah, and you know what? I, I, I'm i looking at two guys in particular that have really stood out to me. Dietrich right. Wise Jr., who yes. has been always great. been kind of a dude that – you know, could go play inside. He could play outside. Um, he started off as a little bit more of an, an outside linebacker, kind of a tweener type. Mm-hmm. And then they they gave that man a captaincy, and he's out here balling like crazy. And I mean, he was. Right. And I mean, again, in in the first half of that Baltimore game, they could not get Lamar Jackson on the ground. He did some just Houdini stuff that I'm just like. There's the first time I'd seen him play in person. I'm just like, oh no way, no way right. did he actually <laughs> right. that. And then, yeah. and then Dietrich Wise Jr. sacks him three times. And I'm just like, that dude is, is on one right now. And then another guy who, interestingly enough, was the highest graded cornerback of last week, Jonathan Jones, yep. who somewhere around week two of preseason, they were like, you know what? We're putting you at outside corner. Let you cook. Yet another undrafted cornerback that Bill Belichick has just mined so much talent and production out of. And maybe it's not quite J.C. Jackson level of of production and play just yet, but it's making you think, like, yeah, they can actually live with this outside. He's playing really well. But with those two guys in particular, what are you seeing from them? I think that you kind of detailed it with a guy like Wise, right? This And this is the same thing I was talking about with Phillips, same thing I've been talking about with Duggar, same things you talked about with Guy, right? It's... It's the versatility. What that buys you as a defensive as a defensive play caller is an ability or a confidence that you will always have the tools in your tool belt to handle what you're seeing from offenses. Um, and for Belichick, who is you know the best game planner defensively in the NFL, that's where you can employ a guy like Wise, where he can play on the interior when you need him to, and be a legitimate run stopper, somebody who can push the pocket as a pass rusher and affect quarterbacks, whether or not he finishes with sacks. Um, that matters a lot. To your point about Jonathan Jones, like this is, you know, in terms of identifying the necessary traits to do a job, you know, that that takes a different level of, I think, foresight, projecting, and skill building because you couldn't have convinced me after the loss of J.C. Jackson that they would have a guy that's viable as an outside corner in that role. That That's where I was at. I was extremely concerned about what the perimeter would look like for this Patriots defense. And, and to what you're saying, I think that he's played with a lot of great fluidity in his hips, you know, so he can play press, he can play off, he can play man and zone. Is it at the level of a J.C. Jackson, which is like an all-pro level player? Probably not. Will he, you know, produce the level of turnovers that J.C. Jackson did, you know, at, at his best in New England? Probably not. But what you have is another reliable starter in a spot. I think that what this defense is is really a reflection of no weaknesses instead of overwhelming strengths, right? You can look across the board of this depth chart and maybe not see any one guy that's like, all right, offenses has just got a game plan their entire week around keeping this guy away from the football. There might not be players like that, though Matthew Judon can maybe affect the game in that kind of way when he's playing at his absolute best. What you really see across the board is a bunch of guys that aren't liabilities, that produce well, that you can count on to be reliable time in and time out, and that can do multiple things. And when you don't have to go from, hey, we can only stop the run when we have our traditional 3-4 personnel on the field, or we can only cover if we have full-on dime on the field. When you can use 
one personnel grouping to do two or three things, that really allows you to specialize your game plan for what it is that you need to um, to approach an offense with. And I think that guys like Jonathan Jones, Dietrich Wise, um, Lawrence Guy, you know, a healthy Kyle Duggar, you know, Adrian Phillips, et cetera, et cetera. Like I'm naming basically half of the defensive lineup in that, you know, that versatility matters. And to the point that I'm making, each one of these stacked on top of each other creates more value for the next guy. It makes it easier if you have a mismatch to hide a guy or protect a guy. And that's what I think that this defense is kind of built around and some of the things that they've done well this season. And you know what? I think that point especially rings true to me when I think about the way that the safety room is set up because they, they can and have played all five of those safeties already this year. Right. And that is, that that's tremendous to know that especially they, they play they love their three safety lineups when everybody is healthy they and they just got Jabril Peppers stashed and so when yes. Kyle Duggar's out oh Jabril Peppers just jumps in and does a damn good job and and then you can just oh yeah Josh Bledsoe you go ahead and you cover Mark Andrews and and it just works out because he's a, he's that type of player right. I think that's absolutely part of the the amazing thing about what they've done want to talk about some rookies real quick because that was the last time we spoke was right. before the draft and and i i think i texted you right after the cool strange pick and you and you were just like i was like what was that <laughs> you're just like i was hoping you'd tell me so when when you look at the rookies right now so cole strange is really the only one who has been able to contribute right meaningfully so far right. uh marcus jones is kind of on the fringe I feel like he's going to start playing in the slot at some point this year. Mm -hmm. They put him they put him back there on kickoff returns. He's gotten some reps at punt return as well. Um, still haven't seen as much. Jack Jones is actually seeing some snaps. Yes. No kind of um, you know, on the outside. Yeah. And then you've got Tyquan Thornton, who that was the biggest surprise to me during during uh, training camp and preseason, like, oh, that guy looks way more ready than I thought. And then he gets yes. hurt and we're not going to see him until Halloween. When you look at when you look at how that draft turned out it, it like back then and then what where they're at now, do you see more upside than than perhaps we had originally thought? And, and in particular, since Strange is the only one who's really played, how do you think he's he's been so far? I was I, I'm glad that you kind of framed it that way, because he's probably the guy that I was focused most on. And I will certainly say, like, you know, time will tell whether or not that was a worthwhile pick at where they picked him at. But if we're just evaluating the play, I would certainly say that he was much more ready to contribute as a pro than I had initially thought. And I think that there's still some ups and downs. There's certainly some inconsistencies. You'll definitely watch and, and see him, you know, not get the amount of movement that you want on interior guys in the run game. You know, and I think that that's probably something you could expect because he, he wasn't walking into the draft as the biggest guy, you know, a, as a lineman. Um, I, I, you can definitely watch him as a pass protector and see like, OK, the fact that he's not like the freakiest of athletes definitely might be a little bit of trouble for him if he's dealing with guys that are really dominant in terms of pass rush. But I think that he's provided enough of a baseline to work off of that I'm looking and saying, like, OK, this can be a solid starter in the NFL and certainly for the Patriots for a little while. Um, if this is kind of the baseline that we're working off of, you know, it, it's not like, um, you know, Iki Aquano, you know, which is no disrespect to him and the Panthers, but there are times where you turn on the tape with him and it's like, okay, wow. Like he's just not ready. 
You know, like it's clear that he he's just not ready to go right now. He he he, you know, in an ideal situation, he's probably not starting, or maybe he's used as like a swing lineman where you can drop him in as a guard if a guy gets hurt, or as your right tackle if a guy gets hurt, where you can kind of protect for him and send, you know, a running back to tight end to chip and help. You know, for, for Cole Strange in this offense, you know, knowing the Patriots, knowing a little bit about the Patriots that I know. This this is not a franchise as much invested in the idea of, hey, we're going to baby step rookies. You know, if you can yeah. go, you can go. And when you're on the football field, you're expected to perform at the level of standard that all the 10 that the 10 other guys on the field are, are, are working off of. So I think the strange is definitely given enough for optimism, even though I do think that we'll probably still look back in about two or three seasons and say that investment could have maybe gone in another direction, um, you know, for as far as talent on this team. Yeah, I mean, he'd probably you'd have to be an all pro for you to be right. Like, for wow, people to okay, feel good yeah. about it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Pro Bowl or like fringe Pro Bowl is like, okay, that's cool. You probably right. still didn't have to do that when you did it, but you know, what have you. Uh, I, I again I mentioned that I'm really interested to see what, if anything, Tyquan Thornton can do when he comes back, because I think that that's one thing that you look at some of these lineups they're putting out there on the field. Mm-hmm. And there's 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 speed deficient, right? Like right. they're kind of in a way back to what they were last year, where Nelson Aguilar is the only fast guy they can put on the field. And and I mean, in the limited time he had, I mean, he's got to stay healthy, not get hurt. But I mean, that dude was getting better every single time he hit the football field. It right. was astonishing the difference right. between watching Tyquan Thornton at the beginning of training camp to like that week two of of preseason where it's just like right. dude this guy looks like he should like he's wide receiver three right right I, and i think that when he's back not only you know to that point not only does he just add more depth to that wide receiver room this is the team i think in general that can really use an injection of real speed like legitimate you know high end speed is definitely necessary um, I, I think that if Matt, when Mac Jones is back and healthy, he will certainly enjoy having that. And I think that this offense in general right now, trying to find its identity, one of the best things that you can have is you try to sort out the balance between run and pass and how many touches you're trying to distribute across the board. One of the best things to have is a guy that you can just designate and say, hey, you can be our over the top guy. You know, and they were doing some interesting things with them in the preseason in terms of asking him to be a blocker, you know, running those tight splits where you can bring him in closer to the line of scrimmage. He's you know, competitive. You can, right, exactly. And that, to me, I think that was probably the biggest surprise is like, okay, you're not just going to be a lineup outside and you're just taking off up the field or running comebacks or something like that. You know, you don't just have to be running posts and in the most vertical routes possible. Maybe, you know, if you grow in that way as a blocker, as a guy that you can move around within the formation, now you can add a lot of different value to this offense and to what you do best, which is separating with speed. So certainly I would say that if you can get a guy like that healthy, then you leave this draft thinking or you leave this season thinking, okay, we've got two real contributors that are young, you know, two more young contributors between Cole Strange and Tyquan Thornton, an offensive lineman and a skill position guy. That's enough to feel good about if they can kind of sort out what this offensive identity needs to be. Yes, sir. Now to kind of wrap things up right now, the Patriots are one and two. They are behind both the bills and the Miami dolphins who, Again, I thought of them as like, well, that could be interesting. They could be good in theory, right? Uh, but we'll, we'll see how it actually is on paper because I think the Bills are the class of the division, and the Miami Dolphins are three and zero. 
and right. and they have that wild comeback win over the Ravens and and Tua is another example of a year three quarterback that's looking just looking better mm-hmm. and I think that you know when when I look at the Patriots right now they have an opportunity maybe in the middle of the schedule to pick up some wins but then that yes. gauntlet hits at the end of the season and I guess like from from your perspective given what you've seen from this team Mac Jones or no Mac Jones. Do they have what it takes to make this Bill Belichick mad science experiment right. turn into a playoff berth? Or are they going to be what I think, which is a, a good, a, a, an average to, you know, good team, like a nine and eight team or something that misses the playoffs? To me, I think if this season ends with them nine and eight and just missing the playoffs, it's a success, in my opinion. Based on the level of talent they have, how competitive their division is, and just like their out of division schedule that I'm looking at now, like there's just not a lot of airspace to work with. And there wasn't, period, because of what Miami looks like now. You have to deal with, you know, the NFC, the NFC North. So you're going to see Green Bay without your starting quarterback. Detroit has been very competitive week over week, and you got to take them on likely without your starting quarterback. The Browns have been really competitive without their starting quarterback. You know, there's a little bit of air in terms of seeing the Jets. You see the Bears. You know, you you have the Colts, which have been kind of sputtering, the Vikings, which have been kind of sputtering. So maybe you can catch a little bit of heat in that late October to early November type of space. But after that, to your point, you're seeing basically you're seeing playoff teams that made the playoffs outside of Miami uh, last season for the rest of the way to close out the season. You know, that's not going to be an easy road. So I think if you're in uh, somewhere between seven and nine wins, which means that you're competitive week over week and you can beat, you know, maybe you get steal one from Miami, maybe you steal one from Buffalo. So that way you feel as though, Hey, we're, we're at least trending in the right direction or showing that we can play at our best at that type of level. That to me is success. I think that the wrong way to approach this would be to look at it and think that you should still maybe land second in the division. I, I don't think that that's where they're at right now. And I will certainly say that they are not in a space where they can compete with, you know, Buffalo and Miami to win the division. I would say that they're certainly standing behind them. And I think that the hope is that Mac Jones is healthy enough to be able to finish the season, which I expect and be able to finish it productively. And you can sort out what everybody's roles on this offense is going to be going forward. That would be success for what I think Bill Belichick is going after this year. And it might not be what everybody wants to hear, but ultimately I think that's also the case. And in particular, if you can say that by the end of the year, you feel solid about Mac Jones and the way that he was playing, that he was able to overcome some of this adversity and generate more explosive plays. You know, even, even though maybe he was taking some chances, you know, you didn't want him to take early on. If he, if he gets that figured out, even if they don't make the playoffs, that's a win because it's about, it's about the future. And in particular, 2023 Patriots about to have a lot of cap space, yes. which to, to build this team back up. And still got your picks. So like that, there's an opportunity to improve. There's certainly an opportunity to improve and improve quickly, which is always the most important thing, right? It's having that flexibility to pivot immediately, which I do think that they'll have. Absolutely. Deontay Lee, staff writer for the athletic defensive coordinator extraordinaire for Mount Carmel in California. Thank you so much, my brother, for joining me. This was super fun. You know, we're going to have to do it again. Of course. 
gonna and, and you know I'll I'll be I'll, I'll keep hitting you up through the season with just random thoughts, checking in on your guys and uh, you know uh, Kendrick enthusiasm, all yes, that sir. good stuff. You, 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 you know what's <laughs> up? Like like you said, stop playing with me. <laughs> you know you already know the vibes man i really appreciate having you on like i said i'm happy for your success i'm glad that you have the platform that you have and hope you continue to grow it and i would definitely be here whenever you need me to yes sir